0: Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays.
1: Hebrews 1 from verse 5. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. In speaking of the angels, he says, He makes his angels spirits and his servants flames of fire. But about the sun, he says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. He also says In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe, like a garment, they will be changed, but you remain the same, and your years will never end. To which of the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are not all angels ministering spirits, sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? We must pay a most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him, God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will.
0: Growing up, I used to love going on family holidays to the beach. We had quite a simple formula we'd bring all our kit, our bags, and beach stuff, and we'd set up a, a base camp somewhere on the beach. And because it was Scotland, that involved a lot of stuff like scarves and woolly hats and so on to keep us warm. And then having established base camp, we would head off into the water and splash around in the waves. Even in the cold, we had a great time. I remember one particular family holiday, um, playing in the waves for quite a long time. And then looking back to the beach and being alarmed to realize that I couldn't see our base camp anymore. Someone had stolen our stuff. I was just about to cry out a warning to my siblings when I looked way down the beach and I recognized in the distance a little pile of stuff that I recognized. You see, no one had moved our stuff. We had moved. This morning, we are thinking about the danger of drifting. Drifting is a danger in The sea, the wind, the waves, the tide, with with no effort from us at all, drifting can just happen gradually but steadily down the beach. And drifting is also a danger in the Christian life. Without any effort at all from us, we can very easily, slowly but steadily, drift away from Christ and the gospel message he proclaims to us. It's very rare, I think, that someone wakes up one morning having been a strong, confident Christian, and then suddenly one morning they simply walk away from Christ in one day. Much more commonly, there's a slow, steady drift day by day away from Christ, which can be just as real and ultimately as dramatic. And so we're thinking about drifting this morning. And the key verse for us today is there in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. The writer says, We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. I wonder if, as Christians, we have felt this tug in our hearts to drift away from Christ. Maybe it's embarrassment at being a Christian. I remember being at school and being at times utterly ashamed of being a Christian, not least because of the Christians I was linked to in my school. Maybe it's disappointment in the Christian life. We've been following Christ, but life has not turned out the way we thought it would. And as we look around at other options, we think they might do a better job of looking after us compared to Christ. Maybe it's our sin. It could be guilt because of sin that makes us want to move away from Christ, or it could be that sin just seems too attractive to us, and we don't want to let it go compared to Christ, and that drags us Away from him. And so for whatever reason. I wonder as I'm standing here this morning. Talking to you about Christ. And drifting from his gospel. I wonder if for some of us here today. And we don't even know why. As I think about Christ. To you he's just a speck down the beach. A long way off. And you're realizing. Well yes. I have been drifting. And so this morning. Whether we are drifting or whether we feel very secure, close to Christ, either way, the urge to all of us is very clear that we are to pay the most careful attention to the things that we have heard. That is verse four, the message of salvation proclaimed to us by Christ. And what is so helpful this morning is that we don't just get the appeal to listen carefully. We get two great motivations That help us to see why it's so important to listen carefully. Well this morning here are two huge reasons. Listen carefully. Why? Well first of all. No one is greater than the son. Last week we saw Jesus the son. Well he is greater than the prophets. And this week. The comparison introduced back in verse 4 of chapter 1, this week is between Jesus and the angels. And before we dive into the details, we might be thinking, well, well, hang on a minute. Who thinks that angels are greater than Jesus? Is this really a thing? Well, I think it's helpful to put ourselves in the shoes of the original readers, for those of us who are old enough to remember the 1990s, there is an advert by Philadelphia Cream Cheese with uh, two angels having a conversation with, with white wings, and there were some clouds around, I think a harp somewhere, having a nice chat. And for many people, that's what angels are like. Cute and cuddly. Clouds, harps, white wings. But in the Bible, angels are awesome. In the Bible, when angels appear, people tend to bow down in terror and they worship them. I reckon if an angel were to appear today here, we'd all be in our knees, petrified. But more than that, much more than that, again and again in the scriptures, angels are God's messengers to God's people. When angels turn up, they bring a word from God. Think of the birth of Jesus, Mary and Joseph, or the shepherds. Angels appear, and they bring God's word to God's people. And I wonder if you realize that in one of the great moments of God's revelation in the Old Testament, at Mount Sinai, when the, when the law was given, the Ten Commandments, angels were the messengers who brought the commandments. That moment is referred to in Hebrews 2, verse 2. If that's a new thought to you, why not chase it up this week? You can look at it, Galatians 3, verse 19, twice in Acts 7, the same point is made. For these original readers, when they heard about angels, they're thinking the ultimate messengers of God. The people who brought God's law to God's people. And for the original readers, they were up against it. We know that. They were facing persecution and shame for being Christians. They were discouraged in their Christian life. They were up against it because of their sin. And with so much going on around them, they were searching for comfort and certainty. And they were being drawn back to what the angels had told them. Back to the Old Testament law. We can see why for them, that was a source of security. They're going back to what they've known. And that is why the writer to the Hebrews says, well, angels are great, The Old Testament prophets are great, but no one is greater than the Son. Well, let's dive into the details to see how this comparison works. It begins in verse 5. The writer says, For to which of the angels did God ever say? And this comparison is still going in verse 13 when the author asks the same question To which of the angels did God ever say? And so, in between these two bookends, in verse 5 and verse 13, we have seven Old Testament quotes all lined up one after another to show us that no one is greater than the Son. The author is not showing off that Old Testament knowledge to impress us. No, the author is showing us that how these great Old Testament storylines that arc through the Old Testament, they are fulfilled and point us to the Son, the Lord Jesus. It's all about him. Well, let's see how this works. Verse 5. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son. Today I have become your father. It's a quote from Psalm 2. A psalm that describes God appointing his chosen universal king to rule over all the nations forevermore. And the psalm describes the moment of his coronation. The moment when this king is announced to be the son and God is his father. And in Hebrews 1, we realize that that psalm two king is the Lord Jesus. We know back in verse 3 that he's already been ascended to the throne. His coronation has taken place and so he has been revealed to the world as the son he's always been. He is God's son. He is the king of Psalm 2. The king ruling over the world. The next quote is from 2 Samuel 7. Which describes the great king of the Old Testament. King David. How one of his descendants would sit on the throne forever. In Hebrews 1. The son Jesus is that greater descendant. The big point of these first few verses. Jesus the son is God's true king. And that is why angels bow before him. Many people in the world today mock Jesus. They use his name as a swear word. They laugh at his promises and his word. But know this, right now, this morning, in heaven... There are thousands upon thousands of angels bowing down and worshiping Jesus because no one is greater than the Son. He is God's true King. The comparison continues. Jesus is God's true King. Next, who reigns forever? The quote in verse 7 confirms that angels have been made. They are creatures. There was a time when they did not exist, but verse 8. But about the sun, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever. As we look forward to eternity and the future stretching before us, the sun will always be God's true king, forever reigning But also verse 10, looking to eternity in the past, there has never been a moment when the son has not been the son. He's always been, for he has made everything else. He is the creator. Angels are created. And so there is no one greater than the son. He is God's true king who reigns forever. The business person who spends years working long hours to climb up the rungs to get to the top of their business field. They may enjoy a few years at the top. The politician who campaigns and manoeuvres to get their political career off the ground to experience some power at the top of politics, they might make it for a few years. The social influencer who works hard to manage their online presence, to attract millions of followers. For a moment, they might be the flavor of the month. Nations might rise. Empires might grow. But all these things only last for a moment, only for a time. Every nation falls. Every empire crumbles. Every career comes to an end. Every name is forgotten. But Jesus is God's true king who reigns. Forever. And the final comparison shows us that Jesus is God's King who reigns forever over everyone. Verse thirteen. To which of the angels did God ever say, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Jesus is not some local king who reigns only in some places. No, when he returns, every every enemy will be subdued. And angels, as glorious as they are, they are just servants sent by this king on his business. Today in our tolerant society, we are told that we can have our own personal truth and others can have their own personal truths. We are told that we are to be true to our own feelings. We must not enforce our feelings on other people. One of our great aims as a society today is to accept everyone and anything, no matter what. But can we see Jesus is God's king? He reigns forever over everyone. His rule is decisive. We cannot see it now with our physical eyes. Uh, We cannot go to a certain country and say, look, here it is. But one day, this king will return. One day, every knee will bow before him. And we will not be able to miss his kingly reign. We can't opt in or out. We can't choose to ignore it. It is for everyone. Look, the big point of these Old Testament quotes is this. Listen carefully. There is no one greater than the Son. He's greater than angels, and therefore for us today, greater than any other voice we could think of that we might refer to for authority in our lives. And this is so important because we tend to listen to the people that we respect. The popular kid at school, whenever they speak, people seem to listen to them. They laugh at their jokes. They go with what they say. Or imagine your, your mate Bob down at the pub. He starts telling you about some get rich scheme he's read about on the internet. How you know, if you chuck in a couple of quid, then you'll be guaranteed to earn millions of pounds in just a few days. My guess is as Bob chats about the scheme, as he tries to get you to kind of join up, most of us probably wouldn't join Bob. But if you go to your financial advisor, and they sit down, have a proper meeting, they lay out the options before you, they say to you, actually, I think this investment plan is the wise option. It's much more likely you'll go with it. You see, we listen to the people we respect. Imagine this afternoon, your phone buzzes. You pick it up, you answer it. It's the Queen of England calling from Buckingham Palace. She says, Pete, we need you down at the palace this afternoon. Can you come now? Well, it's not going to happen, is it? But, but of course, we would go, wouldn't we? It's the queen asking for us. You see, we tend to listen to the people we respect. And when it comes to Jesus, if we have a mini view of Jesus, if Jesus is a little Lego miniature to us, then we will not listen to his voice. And when we don't listen to his voice, Can we see the consequences? We stop paying careful attention and we start to drift. It is easy to do. We cannot see Jesus with our eyes. We cannot see his throne in heaven now with the angels bowing down, worshiping him. We cannot see the future when he comes back to reign in glory. And so it is possible to have a a mini view of Jesus. And so we need these words to remind us, no one is greater than the Son. Look, I wonder what voice or what voices we are listening to most at the moment. The voice of our family, the voice of social media, spending hours and hours flicking through our, our feeds, the voice of our classmates, the peer pressure to conform, our work colleagues as they describe their weekend plans and what they're living for. This world is like being at a, at a concert or a play before the production begins. Can you remember that long ago? That, the, the buzz of noises in the room as everyone chats before the production begins and the silence comes. That's the world we live in, all kinds of voices buzzing around us. But when we open the Bible we hear the greatest voice of all. When we open the Bible, we hear the great son speak to us with words we can hear that we might know who he is and know how to live and follow his salvation. It's a great reminder at the beginning of this series in Hebrews. How are we going to listen to him this time? Now, this book of Hebrews, it's, it's wonderful stuff. It is meaty. It does require work and concentration to listen carefully to the details. I wonder, are we ready to give it our best attention? It is worth it. Listen carefully. No one is greater than the Son. Well, here's our second point. Listen carefully. Nothing is greater than his salvation. Let's pick it up again in verse 2. Of Hebrews chapter 2. For since the message spoken through the angels. Was binding and every violation. And disobedience received its just punishment. How shall we escape. If we ignore. So great. A salvation. Back in the Old Testament. When the law was given. The law came with, with high stakes. If. It was met with disobedience. There were serious consequences. We know that from history. Think of the exile of God's people. But the stakes are even higher when it comes to the salvation Jesus proclaims. We don't want to miss out on his salvation. Just thinking back to the news over the last few weeks, a couple of stories. One story about 39 postal workers who over the last 16 years were wrongly accused of defrauding the post office through fudging the books and nicking money out of the tills. All of them lost their jobs. Some of them went to prison. They were given criminal records. And for 16 years, these 39 postal workers have been campaigning to clear their names. They've been claiming they've been wrongly accused. And just a few weeks ago, they were declared innocent. There was an I.T. error. They hadn't been fudging the books, but it's taken 16 years. They've been in prison and had their names dragged through the mud. A terrible um, miscarriage of justice. And when we hear those sort of stories, we go, it shouldn't be this way. Well, again, last week, the former policeman, Derek Chauvin, was found guilty of using his power and position to murder George Floyd. And again, we think it shouldn't be this way. Not in our world. This is wrong. When we hear these stories, don't we cry out for a justice which never fails? For people in power who always serve for the good of others? And in Hebrews 1... As we've seen the son being revealed to us, he is just the king we long for. Uh, We read back in verse 8 how his scepter will be a scepter of justice. His kingdom will be a a kingdom of perfect justice, no miscarriage. He upholds righteousness and hates wickedness. And we cannot see his kingdom today, but when he returns... And his rule is made known in the world. On that day, we will live in that kind of world with that kind of king. Never again will we hear stories like we've been hearing these last few weeks. Don't we long for that day, that salvation of our world put right when King Jesus returns. But the problem for these readers, the problem for us today, this salvation has not yet come. Oh yes, in one sense, back in Hebrews 1 verse 3, Christ has come to to make a purification for sins. Our sins have been forgiven on the cross, and yet there's still a not yetness to our salvation. For Christ will put this world to rights when he returns. And so for the Hebrew readers then, for us today, we cannot see this salvation. It's a future event we have to trust in. And today, when other offers of salvation come to us that feel much more immediate and tangible, it's so easy to drift away to them instead. And so it's helpful to keep reading in Hebrews 2, verse 3. This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. You see, eyewitnesses heard Jesus himself announce this salvation This letter to the Hebrews was written down by a person who heard these eyewitness accounts. And so we have a a credible, reliable testimony to hear. We cannot see the salvation, but we have words to tell us about it. But more than that, verse 4. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles. And by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to to his will One of my favorite meals of the year is, is Christmas dinner. I'm sorry, it's the wrong time of year to talk about Christmas dinner, but um, you know, a, a proper Christmas dinner takes hours to make, doesn't it? And um, I'm the kind of person who's a bit impatient, and so as the meal's being cooked, I've been known to, to dip a finger in the cranberry sauce or a spoon into the gravy just to get a little, little taste of what is to come. Of course, that's a taster. the real meal is much better. And in a much greater way, when Jesus came the first time and when he performed signs, miracles and wonders, when he healed sick people and provided bread for hungry people, and when he raised people from the dead and calmed the storms, it was a little sneak preview, a little taster of what he will bring when the new creation comes when Jesus puts the world to rights. These miracles show us that he, as the creator, has the power to do that to our broken world. And one day when he returns, surely he will. When he comes, the salvation he brings will be a world where there's no more pain, no more sickness, no more death. He will bring an end to all of the tears, all of the pain. We do have such a great salvation to look forward to. Today, we have God's spirit given to us as a, as a deposit. On that day, we will see God face to face when our salvation is realized. We don't want to miss out. Listen carefully. Nothing is greater than his salvation. As I finish, I wonder what other offers of salvation we are being tempted by at the moment. They will come. This week I have found myself watching camper van walkthroughs on YouTube, imagining myself somewhere in the wilds on my own, just chilling out. There's nothing wrong in looking forward to some time off but if I'm paying careful attention only to camper van walkthroughs to get me through my life, that kind of escapism will never save me. What is it for you? What salvations are we likely to pay careful attention to? Maybe it's the salvation of financial security. And so we pay the most careful attention to our jobs. Maybe it's our public image, our online profile, and we pay the most careful attention to what people think of us. Maybe it's our academic recognition, and so we pay the most careful attention to our exams and our studies because academia is our salvation. Maybe it's a particular relationship that we pay the most careful attention to. Whatever it is, whatever salvation feels most immediate to us in the moment, the writer of Hebrews is saying to us, listen carefully. We cannot see it now with our eyes, but it is coming. There is nothing greater than his salvation. And so this term, together, As we work through Hebrews, let's pay the most careful attention to an unseen but real Jesus and to his coming, but not yet, salvation. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the glory of your son and the greatness of his salvation. Help us not to lose our nerve as we wait for Jesus to return. Help us to keep paying the most careful attention to Jesus and thinking forward to that day when he does return. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.